And there's the noise. Okay. Hello, welcome back to the Free Reeling It Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse. And with me today, as always, is your other host. Today, I am Matthew. Tomorrow, who knows? Tomorrow, you might be the Avenger. Um, Matthew, how are you doing tonight? Well, it's been a day. Uh, It has been a day. A Wednesday of that. A Wednesday, nonetheless. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I... When I when I started my journey into extra school, I never imagined the amount of actual teaching I would end up doing. Today was a lot of that. Yeah. So. Well, Matthew, uh, uh, today you presented us the the series of films we watched. Yes. Matthew, Matthew's very sly. And he uh, tricks me into watching more than one film, but it counts as technically one the way we're always doing it. I, you know, I see, so on, on, in various video game podcasts I've done in my time, uh, I'm the one who always breaks the game of the year rule. I will throw things from different years into my list because I'm not in the games industry and it's what I played that year. People get mad at me for that. I will throw in ties. So Jesse, you're just, you're just, you're just falling victim to, to uh, my master plan. At least I'm not upset by it. I do enjoy it. I enjoy oh yes, it. I'm, I and, don't. I, I do not do this to make people angry. I promise you. And of course, I would always say no if I didn't want to do this. But today, uh, Matthew, what did we? Or not today. The last two weeks. What have, what have we been watching? Um, so there's a on the Criterion channel, and by the time this goes up, the, it will have gone. Uh, there is a collection called uh, Georges Méliès' uh, Fairy Tales in Color. Georges Méliès, and I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but uh, I'm going with it anyway because everybody in the movie Hugo called him George. Um, Georges Méliès was one of the first. I say one of the first, but he it was one of the first people to really do a lot of um, special effects in film. And uh, he also did a staggering amount of films that most of which are just lost to time and lack of preservation and, and things like that. But I think he also... Uh, was the first real sort of imagineer of cinema because uh, of the way that of the way that his films still hold up. And you can almost see where the ideas for his shots and composition and, and costumes come from. And uh, and you can also to a point see how you probably see how sort of culture has, you know, got a lot of ideas. Yeah. Um, and you can also, you can also just see how, even though, even though a lot of these films, uh, you can see the tricks, you could see the magician doing all the tricks, like the secrets are right there in front of you. If you know what, if you know what to think about in, ter- in terms of like just cinema, but the tricks here don't get old. Yeah, they're very enjoyable. And uh, I, I think I and I was uh, so the I think this uh, the first time I became 
familiar of these or familiar with this man and these films was uh, I was in uh, a DVD or well, a, a rental store uh, local to me in Philly, and I saw uh, the the moon face uh, from A Trip to the Moon, and I'm like, wait a minute, that looks like Smashing Pumpkin. That looks like the moon from Smashing Pumpkins video tonight tonight. And I, the person I was with, my my buddy Jason, uh, who did our theme song, he's like, yeah, that's that's that, that's a movie that they basically ripped off that 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 video is basically a ripoff of that movie mm-hmm. and i'm like well i want to watch that and he's like you like silent films i go i haven't seen a ton but i'm not afraid and uh so i rented that and uh my uh well my first wife and i watched that but this is before we were married and i was kind of enraptured by a, this is basically a collection of i think most of, if not all of these shorts were on there, possibly more, but they were all in straight black and white. There was the, the, the color, the, the paint had not been restored with these prints. Mm. And I think that's because a lot of them were considered lost to time. Um, which a lot, and, and it's, it was well known that Melier's did a lot of hand painting on his films to create the color because color photography did not exist at that time. Um, and when I learned that, I'm like, man, I wish those existed. And then I saw this and I'm like, wait a minute, they're all in color. Mm-hmm. We should watch this just because I think it's, I think it's an interesting experiment to kind of just familiarize ourselves with this kind of history um and also i think even even if they were just in black and white these films are still kind of entertaining and they don't really overstay their welcome with the exception of a couple yeah um some of them are you you can you could and like like i said before you can see the errors so you can kind of see where they could trend (laughs) in a lot of ways uh but these i think looking at this uh looking at because the earliest one here is from 1899 and the latest one here is from 1909 so this is 10 years of the earliest cinema that is still preserved and um you and i are both film fans and while i tend to go just about i'm not saying you don't but like i tend to go anywhere i've never really been before a lot of the time or i want to go where i want to go where i think it might be interesting I wanted to get someone else to come along with me. And because you and I do a podcast, you fell into my trap. So how do you want to talk about these? Because there's 13 films. I don't know if we want to go for each one or do we want to pick our top two and our least favorite two? Well, let's, I think rather than going into going into um the films individually in any sort of way let's talk about broad strokes uh before we started recording um you had made some statements about your thoughts and i kind of wanted to just say like what did you think about watching these for the most part i really enjoyed them i i thought some of them were too abstract for their own good um but for the most part, they're very straightforward and they're a lot of fun. I think the more the most the more straightforward the film is, the mm-hmm. better it comes out. If that makes sense, right? 
the more weird he tries to go with some of these, the harder it is to follow them and the harder it is to really um, like groove with it. But uh, for the, the very straightforward ones, like the one I think of the most, I think is, and I think is my favorite is, um, where is it at? Um, the Diabolical Tenant. Oh like, yeah, that yeah, that one's super rules. straightforward. Of this, this guy is just a jerk, and he's trying to sneak all this stuff into this room, and then he gets kicked out. Like it's yep. super, super uh, straightforward, and it's a lot of fun because that does a lot of those visual tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like something along the lines of like, um, uh, where's it at? Um, like the Kingdom of Fairies is a is a little rough. Um, yeah just because it goes like all over the place and same thing with the merry frolics of satan like you, you kind of mm-hmm. follow it and then it kind of just goes <laughs> yeah well and it's and i see and i was thinking a lot about that too i'm like okay well i still think that there's there's merit here to be explored i think a lot of it um it, it all sort of has the energy and and wit of like looney tunes in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and i and and i don't know if i don't think i'm not saying that to be pejorative towards these films because one of the thing one of my favorite things about just medium uh, the or film as a medium is the idea of 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 doing magic because it really is something special i mean look at look at like look at a film like gravity you you spend most of the time in space but guess what they're not in space but they Mm -hmm. make you believe it um same thing with like 2001 or um or like lord of the rings star wars some of a lot of those have just the idea of magic at the at, at the center of them some in better ways than others, of course, but uh, but I think this is kind of escapism for escapism's sake. And while they, while like the Kingdom of Fairies is, the Kingdom of Fairies is the one of these that I watched, and this happened originally when I watched it. I watched it, and I didn't, rem- I don't remember any of it. Yeah, and exactly. I th- and I think and I think in the past two weeks I've watched it twice, and I just don't remember what happened. Um, but a trip to the moon, and not, and I don't think it's be- just because of tonight tonight, but I think there's there's something very concrete. It's very it, it's a very it's a it's a very interesting narrative. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's actually, I think, if even if you take the music track that they t- that they have here, because it, oh, a lot of this music, like I think at the time, I don't think recorded sound existed when these came out. Mm-hmm. So they had, I think, in a lot of silent film movie houses, you would have a band playing along with the movie. Um, now, I think if you take the music tracks off of these, some of these lose energy really, really fast. A trip yeah, to the moon. Like, oh, I was saying like Legend of Rimfrey and Winkle doesn't really flow without the music. Oh yeah, Rip's Dream. Rip's Dream. I, I think 
the kingdom of fairies is probably the most forgettable but the rip's dream is probably the one i will remember as what i would say is the bad one um not because not because if for anything else it would it just it doesn't entertain me at all uh i didn't i do i i didn't really care just for any of it in, in terms of presentation uh but a trip to the moon is probably the the one that will continue to be upheld as Melier's masterpiece for posterity um but uh i think uh, what other thoughts you have before i just keep before i just take over <laughs> I'm I'm just kind of bouncing off of you when it comes up. Um, Mm -hmm. Talking about Trip to the Moon specifically, I think that one is the most fun of the more outrageous ones. Yes. Um, Just because as far as outrageousness goes, it still continues to tell a a pretty straight story the whole time. Mm -hmm. Where again, like uh, going to like more fantastical, the Mary Frolic the Saint kind of just veers it's like a series of vignettes that just happen around a thread of a narrative and like a good middle of like those is the impossible voyage which also is pretty straightforward but then Mm kind of just ends yeah well i think a straight like the impossible voyage voyage i feel like it it seems like um how do i want to say this it seems like it's very it's it seems to me very much like uh in music when a band has when a band like has toiled in relative obscurity for a while and then they have that one breakthrough hit of some sort and they're like okay let's just go back and do that again and i kind of feel like melies was looking at a trip to the his work his success in a trip to the moon and be like okay how can i do that again and it just doesn't have the same spark. Yeah. So my uh, question for you is, which, which one for you is the most technically fun and interesting? I mean, I, the Diabolic Tenet, the, the Diabolic Tenet is probably, actually, I would say the Diabolic Tenet and Whimsical Illusions. Whimsical um, Illusions feel like he's just showing off for uh, Yeah. Minutes. I mean, and what I what I like, yeah, it's not even fifteen minutes; it's five and a half. <laughs> oh yeah, some of these feel longer than they actually are. Yes, um, but this like they're just they're just straight silly cinema tricks, mm-hmm. and I think what it reflects in this in this our, the year of our Lord twenty twenty one is. You look at you. You have to look at the time these were made, and how did how did how did how did people get their entertainment? And I would I'm just guessing here, but I assume they went to pe- where people were on stages doing activities. And I think whimsical illusions and the diabolic tenant just they uh, they are the prop comedy that would still carry over through today in some way shape or form uh just about all just about all of these films made me smile in a lot of ways i think kingdom of fairies and rip's dream are probably the ones that had the least bit of that yeah but then you look at uh like things like the uh the pillar of fire or the infernal cauldron um or even in the inventor crazy brains and his wonderful airship which is a 
weirdly verbose uh, English title compared to I, I don't remember what the actual French one is but uh, it was like three words and I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure inventor crazy brains were not were, were, were not in that French title but I do like that they're just almost silly jokes with punchlines and the, um, the diabolic tenant and whimsical illusions tend to build on the same joke over and over almost to create a bit in a way and uh i i think they're just they're just really really fun to look at and think about and um and just observe and it's not it's weird that they're 112 years old and you can watch them now and still get something from that yeah no i agree and, and it's one of those fascinating things of like how technical and how well thought out because like there's so many of these that have to be so planned out to like a T mm-hmm. and the, the prop design more than anything is like, how, how do you think about it? How do you think about making these? Yeah. How do you even fund making these? Like, who do you show these to? Like, Hey, I'll fund your next one. Right. Um, and it's not, and, it, and it's not like it's, I, and I, and I, you know, I know acting was a thing in terms of like plays and theater, but like, doing this on a film where people where it's literally there's no words so you are trying to convince people to give you money to play dress up in front of a camera yeah and and also it feels like um i I had the thought i'm trying to bring it back trying to keep it um go ahead oh i i I was watching these and made the tweets like it it's like george millies is like we only have so much film do it as fast as you can because these mm-hmm. movies move so i mean i know that's how film was was done back then in general but everything is happening at such a breakneck speed to put everything in as densely as you possibly can there's no room yeah. to breathe in any of these movies even if these movies are a little slow it doesn't mean action is it continuously happening through each one mm-hmm. right and uh uh i think that i'm i'm like i'm I gen- I'm going to be genuinely sad when I can't watch these anymore. Yeah, um, buy that collection or something. I'm well. I mean, I did. I did look it up. It is on. There is a collection on Blu-ray, and I believe they are in color. So, um, but I would also say get the black and white ones because they're they're worth it. But like, I know that not everybody's going to want to buy a Blu-ray full of silent films. I get it, and I respect your I, I respect your completely valid opinion on that one. <laughs> Um, so before I think, do you have, I I mean, a trip to the moon is probably the one I want to avoid the most because it's probably the easiest to refer to. Yeah. Um, but like, which, which did you, which were your high points in this set? Um, so as we talked about, uh, the diabolical tenant, um, high point. I really like, um, where's it at on here? I'm looking at my small list that I wrote down. Um, the witch. I like the witch a lot. Yes, um, me too. And I liked the event, the inventor crazy brains and his wonderful airship. Those are like probably my top three. Okay. A trip to the moon is very close to that. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked uh, most of the short ones are really good. I, um, the one I was talking, I was talking to you briefly before you know, we like stopped. So we put on the podcast. I don't like Robinson Crusoe at all. Okay. And it's not that it's like 
bad. It's just very boring. Yes. Uh, very insensitive. And again, I know it was made in 1902. But for a man that's, a, that's such a creative force, I just feel like foresight would be there <laughs> at all, maybe. Right. And and Robinson Crusoe, while well, it's it's definitely it's probably for me right above uh, right above Rip's Dream and Kingdom of Fairies uh, in the bottom rung of this. Yeah, th- those are definitely the slowest and the most forgettable i think ripstream like survives because of the snake <laughs> scene oh yeah the... because that's so creatively done i thought mm-hmm. Joan oh, the, of chinese arc new, might... the chinese new year dragon that shows up yeah the the joan of arc might be underneath ripstream for me just because joan of arc is just so straightforward right well see now actually speaking of joan of arc i really like joan of arc m- mainly because of I can I can it's it's one of those things like I just see the influences and I see where Melies is getting his ideas for set design and character design or, or costume design I should say because it looks like Renaissance paintings come to life and I thought yeah, that was fascinating. Now I've seen I've I've seen t- definitely two silent films based on the life of Joan of Arc. Um, and this is definitely the easier to take of the two, mm-hmm. uh, because the Passion of Joan of Arc by Carl Theodore Dreyer is it's it's. I think we talked about this briefly on uh, the Grace episode, but it is. It is some heavy, heavy stuff yeah. <laughs> in that, and. It's, it's just two vastly different spins on, on the story of, of Joan of Arc. Um, and then wh- which, so which did you say were your worst? Um, Robinson like, Crusoe and... Robinson Crusoe, the, the Kingdom of Fairies. And I, I didn't like Joan of Arc because it, like it was bad. It's just it was it was out of the forgettable ones. It was one of the most forgettable ones. And yeah, and that's fine. That's... You know, you know what's really impressive, and we can talk about it briefly. Is the Infernal Cauldron? Now it's not like it's fun or good. Um, it, it's kind of depressing because it's a de- devil killing like three people. Yep. Um, but what's really <laughs> impressive is the overlay of the angels at the end. Yes. I thought that was super impressive, and it's not something you would think to see. It's something that was made in what uh, this one was made in 1903. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I, I like the Infernal Cauldron quite a bit, uh, mainly because it's it's just it's it's just like I have a new trick. Let's try and do something around this trick, and when immediately when they got bored of the trick they, they turned the cameras off so it's like a solid two minutes eight seconds <laughs> yeah and, and we're good um i mean i think i think you and i have kind of the same favorites like i i really like diabolic tenant whimsical and whimsical illusions and the witch um crazy brains is probably right below that uh and then probably Infernal Cauldron and Pillar of Fire below that. Um, but I do, I mean, I think just a trip to the, I mean, a trip to the moon might not be my favorite one of these, but it's definitely, but it, yeah, it's one of it's the most It's definitely that one that, like, 
if you're if you're going to call yourself a cinephile, you should probably watch and have a familiarity with. Um, that would be the only reason I really recommend it. Otherwise, just watch Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins, and it's basically a trip to the moon interspersed with, you know, Billy Corgan and company decked out in costume. Yeah. Um. So what uh. What did you think of the hand painted color overall? Did you did that? I thought for the most part it worked. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a like Joan of Arc is probably the one that didn't work. It worked the least because it was so all over the place. Yes. Uh, And there was one too. I don't remember which one it was. Um, It wasn't Trip to the Moon. It was one of the longer ones though, where they had it for like two frames, and they just kind of gave up. Oh, that was so. I actually have a theory on that. I think I think you're talking about the Merry Frolics of Satan. That might be it. Now, at the beginning of Trip to the Moon, they're pretty forthright in talking about, uh, in in talking about recoloring a black and white print where, where uh, frames were missing from what they could restore from an original color print i think that's what they did in the merry frolics of satan as well because the black and white frames are very much clear compared to the color ones there's no real warning at the beginning of merry frolics of Satan. bagel Bagel wants to get in on the conversation. Well, that was just Bagel yawning. <laughs> that was what that was. He's tired. Um, uh, I don't think there's a, a, a disclaimer at the beginning of Mary Frolics of Satan, but I think because they did that in a trip to the moon, I think that's what's going on there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, which is, which I think that is the that is the sort of thing I'd be like, why did why did you do it for a trip to the moon and not Mary Frolics of Satan? Uh, and I could see if there wasn't like enough of a, a reference, but they clearly have it. They clearly have enough of a reference through the rest, and that's just me speaking as an armchair lover of film. I could yeah. not, I I could be, and there could be plenty of other things tied up and in, in reasons for not doing that can we talk about the nightmare fuel that these things create sometimes like the sun in the impossible voyage or the moon in a trip to the moon or oh, the yeah, carriage definitely. at the end of mary fog's sin those are some of the most visually terrifying things that you could probably show a child mm-hmm. um i want to know what his thought process was making the moon and the sun faces like actual human faces well um I'll bet you legends and stuff. I'll bet you it ties into someone seeing a face in the moon way many, many, many moons ago before the modern era. (laughs) But like Like cheese is the moon. Yeah. And I well, I think this probably I think this these films might actually predate that idea. I don't know. I don't I was thinking about that when watching that. I'm like, I should look into that, see if that if they know when that became a thing, and I never did. Um, but the the nightmare fuel is 100% correct. Um, but I also think that like, there's probably something stemming from there's there's probably references to mythology of many different types in this. I mean, granted, there's. Like Apollo is the sun, Luna is the moon. I think, um, 
but as they're going through space you see stars with faces in their heads or yeah. with, with faces in them as well or you see like uh you see you know women with wands hanging from uh celestial bodies someone actually pops their head out of saturn <laughs> and, and looks like it's i think these these surreal touches are are interesting and kind of just eyebrow raising yeah but that doesn't i mean watching the impossible voyage when the when it when it hard cuts to an open mouth sun and the train goes in it ends yeah and then and it was just like well that's a that's a human that just took a long a pretty big toy train into in into their throat and what am I supposed to do with this now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably another testament to how these how well these work after a century. Because we're talking about them on a podcast. No, I mean that's the thing is they're still very impressive visually. And like, yeah, you can see the tricks, but mm-hmm. when, even while you're seeing the tricks, you're like, man, how did he do because like the thing that you think about when you're watching it, maybe this is just me, but the thing that you think about when you're watching it is they probably had a one take. They had they had one take to get this done. Mm-hmm. And and so the idea that they had to be so on the spot with the movement and stuff is honestly what I was thinking about while I was watching is like how, how impressive it is that they got this done in probably one take. Yeah, there's yeah. edits, but like. I, I just can't like film is so expensive, especially and especially back then it was probably extremely expensive mm-hmm. that like it had to be done in like one go. Yeah. Also, I appreciate that he's like the star of most of them. Yeah. Well, I think that was I think that was silent directors as, as on the whole, except for except for a few. Yeah. Um I mean Chaplin didn't direct all of his, did he? I know he directed some, but he did direct all of them, did he? I don't think he, well, I, I don't think he was behind the camera doing the action and everything, but I think it, basically it was a directorial role. I'd have, I'd have to look. I guess if, if, if you're a silent actor, you are the director because you're doing all the movements. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're kind of saying, I think you're, you're in way more, you're in way more control than just being in front. You know, Matt, Matthew, I I, t- I talked about why I didn't like my least favorite, and other than like him being forgettable, is there any other reason that you didn't like your least favorites? Um, not really. Uh, I do. I, I Robinson Crusoe. I don't like that story. Yeah, it's pretty. Bad I never story. really. I I never really have. I mean, whatever. It's it's fine. So, his family Robinson's a better Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would agree with that. And Swiss Family Robinson, I haven't seen Swiss, Swiss Family Robinson since I was a kid, and there might be some badness there. I don't know. Um, but Rip's Dream, I think, has really cool. It has really cool effects, mm-hmm. like especially when you see like the the ghosts and he and the main character is walking through a bunch of them. Um, I think as cartoonish as the monsters are in it, like it's still, it's still a very cool idea. Um, but the, 
the, I think the, yeah, I, none of these are, I don't think any of these are bad works. Yeah. Uh, I can't really, I can't really level that, that at them, but like kingdom of fairies. If I, if I remembered more, I could probably tell you more. Uh, Rip's dream. It's just kind of meh. And, and Robinson Crusoe. I just don't like that story. That's fair. The, the um, man, the man made 532 films that we know about. Yes. It's very, very impressive. And we could probably do another episode of this. If we watch some online, And I wouldn't be opposed to doing that. We would have to decide which ones we want to do. Um, 532 films in two weeks. Go. No, <laughs> no. Um, but but I, I do want to. I do want to emphasize that we talked about it earlier. Like it's it's important to us that like this is still being talked about because it's it's still very impressive. Yes, even if some of them are boring or are are just in bad taste. Like mm-hmm. the ones that are good are really good. Like yes. I well after I saw the the diabolical tenant, I didn't stop thinking about it for like a day and a half. Like that's yeah. how good that one is for me at least. It's only mm-hmm. seven minutes. When's the last time something that was shorter than um, eating your breakfast made you think about it all day? Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't like a pop song. Yeah. That. Um. I don't know if there's anything else about these you wanted to talk about though. No, I mean, it, I I could probably go on about how I like I like the. I, I really think from what I know about the silent era and I do not know a ton, but I like the fact that someone said, let's see, let's see what happens when you hand paint it and let's see if we can project it onto something. Melies did that. And while uh, later on in the silent film era, DW Griffith would use red film and blue film to to differentiate between night and day and problematic as uh, a lot of D.W. Griffith's work is nowadays. Like, I think it's, it's nice that between Griffith, probably Murnau, um, and I feel like Chaplin, Lloyd, and Keaton are in a different conversation because they, yeah. they, they did, well, what they did was certainly important. I'm not like, I'm not like trying to do I feel like what the what Chaplin, Murnau, and um, Griffith did was sort of lay down the rules or create a sort of code to watch uh, to watch movies. Where um, Melies was like, "Hey, color film is cool, y'all. We should we should work on getting this." Yeah. Um, Griffith was like, "Okay, let's get this camera moving and create." conversational dynamics and i feel like you could probably make the argument that his stories are more complete than melier's um and and murnau kind of does both especially in sunrise mm-hmm. um i mean created he kind of created the modern horror film in nosferatu mm-hmm. in the 1910s i that's say but um, I think that Melies, at, at the very least, his legacy is, hey, imagine something and see what you can do with it. My favorite thing about how these hold up, and like I said earlier, they kind of bring the energy of like 
you know, Looney Tunes in a lot of ways. And I think they hold up so well because of the outlandish, like I say makeup, but the there a lot of the main characters, especially in the more fantastical films here, do not look like just people wearing hats mm-hmm. or people wearing fake mustaches. Some of them have a lot of facial just stuff on. And because it because of that, it kind of puts them more at home in the environments they're in. And I think that's probably another reason why a lot of this holds up. And I do like that, especially in A Trip to the Moon, um, The Witch, and like, I mean, a little bit of Fantastic Voyage, I guess, is not everything is hand-painted. Oh, uh, Infernal Cauldron does this as well. Not everything is hand-painted yeah. because there's not they're not doing shots where they're following, where they're tracking people. You're just seeing basically, a, it's basically like looking at a stage on a play and the, he uses the hand painting as a spotlight. Like, especially at the beginning of, of A Trip to the Moon, the four, the four or five people that he wants you to sort of focus on are painted, whereas the background crowd is not. Now, there's probably a reason that that's, that was probably a very hard thing to do, but I think... Uh, in a lot of ways looking back at what we know like what I know about film and how it how it would work in terms of like a moving camera that's a good little move to keep people's attention to where you want them to sort of keep in line with the story yeah I agree and uh, I think I think that that's they're just there's just there's ingenuity here all over these and uh and yeah, I, I'm glad I'm glad you went along with me on this ride, <laughs> because um, because I I remember the last time I tried to get people to watch this with me, nobody was interested in. <laughs> no, we're like, nope. Um, and that's that's fine. Yeah, no, I I I enjoy these. I mean, that's part of the reason why, like. I wanted to do this show in the first place is is these journeys of like just where, where does the rabbit hole take us mm-hmm. and so yeah I'm excited I'm excited to do more of these I'm excited to see where else we can take this yeah now here's the real question mm-hmm. uh, what did you watch this week uh, or these last two weeks so Reba and I have been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine a lot. Um, didn't really, I know it's in, I think it's in its final season, but we've actually started from the beginning on Hulu. That's been kind of fun. That show's really great. Um, I started watching um, McCartney 321. Oh, so did I. Did we talk about it? Yes, we we did oh, you, well, because of that well. conversation is why I started it. Um, the first I only watched the first episode. I, did, I didn't get any further. Uh, I think the second episode you'll dig a lot because it's very very technical. Okay, uh, so the first episode. All right, I'm going to say this. Paul McCartney is my least favorite Beatle. Yes, fair. yes, he's 
one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Not, I'm not really trying. I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting here going Paul McCartney sucks, but of, of the four, it seems to me that, and I know that Paul has lived the longest except for Ringo. Cause I think Ringo is actually older than he is. Um, but of the four, the one who has done the most talking about the Beatles since the Beatles broke up has been Paul McCartney. And that bothers me. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's said anything bad. I don't think he's, I don't think he's, I don't think he's really trashed any of his former bandmates, but it kind of feels like, it kind of feels to me that, uh, I feel like I wouldn't, I just, I just, it, you know, I'm not even going to posit anything to, for the sake of argument or anything like that, because I feel like that's a, probably a bad thing to do. It just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. But, I get it. but there is something to watching a person who is responsible for the level of creativity that the Beatles brought forth into the world. There is something to watching him listen to that and talk about it. Now, in this one, it's it's kind of he and Rick Rubin just sitting on a soundstage almost and be like, hey, you want to listen to some music? And he plays, I don't remember what he plays first. I feel like he plays All My Loving first. And this is the first time I've ever seen like Paul McCartney seem nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he seemed nervous he's like oh wait a minute we're just going right into this <laughs> and and i also think that like if anybody sits down with paul mccartney they they probably turn into that chris rock sketch or, or chris rock chris farley sketch from saturday night live where uh he's just sitting across from paul mccartney going hey remember when you were in the beatles and paul mccartney goes yes he's like that was awesome <laughs> 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 or, and I, I kind of feel like it would I know if I were sitting across from Paul McCartney that's probably where I would go pretty fast so it's very easy for me to armchair quarterback this and throw a bunch of shade but uh, it did not the, the watching the first episode did not turn me off so I think I, I will keep watching uh, in whatever time I can Um. And then other than that, I've been watching Gundam. Which one are you on? I'm slowly making my way through Double Zeta. And I'm not doing it near as fast as I would like because life. But Jesse, enough about me. What have you been watching? Um, so I've been watching a lot of MASH if we're talking about TV shows. Okay. Um, MASH is good. It's it's funny. The problem, the, the biggest problem with MASH, but the thing is, I think about it now. And I haven't even said the problem, but I think about it now is it would still happen today. It would just be not as obvious because of shows that, that are on today, like Grey's Anatomy and stuff. It's super, super like um oh, what sexist. That's the word I was looking for. Um, oh, definitely! Like half the jokes of Mash is that is them just being monsters to, to women. Oh yeah, oh hundred percent. Like, like the women know that they're monsters, so like that's why the humor I think mostly still works. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, I think the the humor that really doesn't work is the kind of the homophobic humor. Yeah. I don't know how well Klinger holds up. Uh, it, it's not great, but um, okay. but I mean, overall, I think the show still works really well, and it's very anti-war in a good way. Like it's it's it doesn't it doesn't pull its punches with how much it's anti-war. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think Mash is okay to rewatch. It's not like again, the show was made when my dad my dad was still in high school when they were when it came on, mm-hmm. so it's it's old. Um, so yeah, so I think it's okay to rewatch, just knowing that like. I think I think the only jokes that don't work are the homophobic ones because they're just kind of yeah. tone deaf. But they're, also at the they're, time, yeah, they're just, but like yeah. there's there's people in there like using like the the um the slurs for Asians in it and like people call them out like they're like hey no these are humans stop that yes uh, so I think yes. I think there's a lot of the pot there's more positives than negatives that we're watching mm-hmm. Ash movie wise um I watched I think I only watched three movies. I've, I've I've been very busy with other things, so I didn't get a ton of movie watching like I did last time. Let me look at my list. Oh, I forgot! To, I did watch the Hot Rock. I oh did yeah, watch the Hot did you Rock. like the Hot Rock? Hot Rock's good, man. Hot Rock's a good time. Hot Rock's a good old time. Um, it's not Peter, the kind of heist movie you think it is. No, it's not. Actually, I did I did want to say when we were ta- I think we were talking about this one or two episodes ago. Um, for some reason, I forgot got i i never remember what george siegel looks like yeah ever yeah, yeah uh and so i'm like oh that's the dude from look who's talking yeah <laughs> and i'm like and i know i've seen him in a ton of things i think he was in the show just shoot me with david spade I yeah think. he was in that and he was in um the gold or was it say that oh he he was in the goldbergs yeah okay. he was the grandfather in the goldbergs Okay, yeah. I, for some reason, I know who George Siegel is. I've seen a bunch of his movies, but I, f- I forget what that man looks like. Anyway, continue. I so I watched three movies. I watched Hard Boiled, which is free on YouTube. Everybody, yes. it's free on YouTube in 1080p. Fucking watch it. Yeah, you should it's watch so it. Good. It's like the only way to watch it digitally right now. Um, yeah. Uh, I watch. I mean, other than buying it. Uh, but who wants to do that? Um, right. The Long Goodbye. Because that's on Criterion, and I think it's only on Criterion until the end of the month. So if you haven't seen it, you should probably watch it. It's um, Robert Altman. I've seen most of his movies, and Long Goodbye rips. Long Goodbye is really good. The thing I find super funny though is I was reading reviews of the Long Goodbye, like just friend, like people reviews. Um, is that the book is like so much better than the movie? And I'm like, I'm watching. I finished the movie. I'm like, hold on. You're telling me I know it was based on the book. Don't get me wrong, but you're, t- you're like you're telling me that the book is like far superior than this already great movie. <laughs> yeah, and so I got to track down the book to, uh, to read it. But like Long Goodbye is one of maybe the best noirs that I've seen. I think in my life, I haven't seen a ton of noirs. I've seen a ton right. of detective movies, but I've not seen a ton of noirs. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then I watched my dad because he really wanted me to watch it with him. I want to hold your hand by Robert Zemeckis. Speaking of the Beatles, okay. Uh, it's one of the first movies. It is you know it is the first movie other than like student short films. It's the first movie directed by Robert Zemeckis. Really, uh, the second movie written by him and his writing partner because uh, the first movie those two wrote together was the first bomb of Steven Spielberg, nineteen forty two. Is that the name of it? 1941 oh, 1941 yeah so that mm-hmm. that one was both written by them um this was produced by spielberg um 
I don't think it did well in the theaters, but it's a pretty well done like teen flick of them just wanting to see the Beatles. Um, so yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, it's only 99 minutes. So I mean, like if you have some time. Um, yeah. The guy that plays Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory is one of the teenagers. Through never watched. Off. I never watched Dexter's, Dexter's Laboratory. So. And like the people that play Marty, Marty's brother and sister are also in the movie. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So those are the few things that threw me off. Robert Smack is one of those interesting directors. Which I was watching the films that made us on on Netflix, and mm-hmm. there was Back to the Future on there, um, and Forrest Gump. So I, I got double of Robert Zemeckis background. Yeah. And it, it, someone like really pointed out that like Robert Zemeckis isn't interested in making like art house films. No. He's interested in just making super entertaining films. Yes. And so like this, I want to hold your hand is like about teenagers just trying to see the Beatles. Mm-hmm. There are like car destruction scenes in this movie. Like wait, what? <laughs> there's, there's stunts in this movie. Okay. It's just about like four girls and like two, three guys trying to see the Beatles, and there's stunts in this movie. Cool. So it's it's just really fascinating that you took such a simple concept and made it kind of an action movie in some ways. <laughs> um, other than that, I've been watching the, uh, I've been slowly working my way through uh, the Secret Agent or Danger Man, depending if you're US or UK. Um, it is hmm. the prequel series to another. Sh- I mean, it's the original series, but it's the prequel series to a show called The Prisoner. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then that, and that's Roger Moore, right? No, uh, Roger Moore is the saint, I believe. Oh, my bad. Okay. Yeah, but I wanted to watch The Prisoner, but I learned that this was this is the same character, so I'm like, I guess I should watch these. The first season is a spy show. The first season of this is uh, half an hour episodes, mm-hmm. and it's so impressive to watch them do setup, spy stuff, and payoff in like 20, 25 minutes, maybe. Right. It's super impressive, impressive how dense they and compact they make these episodes, and still super compelling half the time. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's basically I've been watching that time. Um, so now I think about let's talk about our next movie. So I had so before I had the idea of doing our first animated movie. We didn't talk okay. about this before, and I forgot before I forgot we needed to pick our that's okay plan. because I because uh because uh I I don't have Disney Plus. So <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So we, we, let's not do Hercules yet. Um yeah. I do want to do Hercules. Because I want to have a good I, excuse to rewatch it. I'm I'm not opposed to I'm not opposed to doing I'm not opposed to doing any film. That's fair. Unless um, I've seen it and hated it, which there's there aren't very many of those. So we can do uh, the next of the before trilogy, if you want to. Um, oh please! I was also I have that Wong Kai. Uh, uh, I can't I read Wong Kar Wai. Yeah, uh, box set, and I have not watched all of those yet, and I would like to watch one of those um what else do i i'm looking at my shelf right now so if i if you if you hear me talking away from the mic it's because i'm looking backwards that's fine um so wong car why which one which ones haven't you seen i've seen i've only seen one and that's in the mood for love which i love i would love to rewatch in the mood for love but i'd rather watch it oh oh, yeah in the mood for love rules but Um, i I would like to watch one i haven't seen yet so any of the any of those in that collection i'm down to watch um Let's do one more dicey on the show. And we haven't done a play turned into a movie yet. And I know this is streaming somewhere. I have it on Blu-ray and I have not watched it yet. But I know it's streaming somewhere. We can watch Macbeth 
and not like an old version of Macbeth. It's the Michael Fassbender Macbeth that's like straight Irish. Irish or Scott? No, Scottish. Straight Scottish, like heavy Scottish accents. And I think that's streaming on Netflix. Is it is it just called Macbeth? Yeah, it's Macbeth. It came out like like in the last five years. Let me look when it came out. Neck. 2015. Stars uh, Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, uh, David Thulis. I, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, who directed it? I don't uh, know. Justin Kurzel. Don't know if I've seen, I've seen anything by this man. Oh, he did the Assassin's Creed movie. Oh, man. Well, I, I, he also I, did, he also did the music for this movie. I bought Macbeth because it like overall like it looked very well done, uh, but I never got around to watching it because it just has such a heavy Scottish accent that I ha- like I'm like I'm not in the mood. Um, we don't have to do Macbeth. I just, just I saw it and I knew it was streaming because I went past it this weekend, so I'm like oh Macbeth. So while we're talking, um, there are a few Wong Kar Wai films that I would love to watch. Um, I've seen, I don't know what's in that box set. You'd have to tell me. Um, I think all of his movies are in that box set. But hang on one second. Um, I do like Chungking Express a lot. Uh, I do like As Tears Go By, Days of Being Wild. Um, I've not seen The Hand. 2046 is dope. Uh, what else? I've not seen Happy Together. What and then the, there's... I know, I know, like, we do a lot of movies you've already seen, but mm-hmm. um, do you have, oh, you might ask you a question. Do you have Showtime? I think I have access to it. Um, um, but I also wanted to pitch something to you on the Macbeth tip if hmm. you're interested. If you nasty because pitch Throne of Blood. Damn it, you read my mind. Because I like Throne, I have not seen Throne of Blood, but I love Kurosawa. Um, I was actually gonna okay. This is the last suggestion from me. Do you want to do okay. a western? Um, of course. Do you want to do an offbeat western that I, I don't know anybody else who's seen this movie but myself because I own it? Okay. In the same vein of Michael Fassbender, there's a 2015 movie called Slow West. Oh, that movie's great. Okay, you've seen it. Dang it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's one of my favorite, like, I didn't know what the that, Western trope in it. I didn't know what that was when I saw it. I yeah, didn't same here. I, I thought knew. it was just going to be a fun Western. And I'm like, oh, this is a completely different movie. Like, I think I, I don't remember. I think I actually put that on by complete accident. And then I just, I just kept watching it. Well, then let's do Throwing a Blood because I want to watch it. Okay. Yeah, All so right. we're going to be watching uh, 1957 Sound of Blood by Akira Kurosawa, uh, starring the amazing uh, Toshiro Mufuni. Mm-hmm. I believe I pronounced that right. Um, you did. And yeah, that's going to be a good time. That's on yeah. HBO Max currently. It's on Criterion, I believe, currently. It is. Um, so yeah, you can be able to find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's and... only an hour. It's only, not even two hours. You're going to have a good time. Yeah, it took longer to a, watch all these silent films than it did um, Throne of Blood. So. Yes, and we know we know all of our listeners are watching these along with us. So I hope so. <laughs>
because they're going to be, be very would, confused if they don't. That would be wonderful to think about, but I also wouldn't fault anybody for <laughs> for not. <laughs> this is the um, one episode people might skip. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. So, okay. So, third about next week. Uh, so, where can we find you, Matthew, on the internet? Uh, you can find me anywhere I want to be at infinite underscore rewind. Uh, that's Twitter. That's Instagram. That's, yeah, I mean, I play video games too. So if you're on PSN, that's where I am too. Um, I'm pretty sure that's my Discord name. So, <laughs> uh, and, or at least it's probably that with a pound sign and some numbers after it that I don't remember right away. But yeah, but that's where you can find me. Uh, I do uh, a couple other podcasts. Uh, one of them is with our mutual friend, Caroline. It's called Trivial Merit, where we pick artists and or styles of music and come up with eight song playlists to get us from a negative headspace to a positive one. That has been oddly, that has been surprised. Like I knew it was going to be fun when Caroline and I started that, but I did not know. I did not know it was going to be this much fun. Uh, So if you listen, that would be great. And then I also talk about video games with some friends on Story Route Zero. Uh, So yeah, find me at all the places, Jesse. And you can find me pretty much everywhere, even on uh, video games, at Sleeper Over the Bed. Um, you can also find my other show, Why Comics, on Twitter at Why Comics Pod. Um, mm-hmm. The logo for our show is done by Matthew. I don't know why I decided to say that this time because I'm just so used to ending the other show. That time you give me some damn crap. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you can find this show on Twitter at, at Free Reeling It. Yes. Ah, okay. So one down. And yes. you can uh, email us your thoughts reviews questions anything like that or want to be a guest uh, you can do that also on twitter if you wanted to we love yes. we would like to hear from people um but email us at free reeling at podcast at gmail.com wrong is it free reeling at pod at gmail.com no is it just free reeling at gmail.com yes <laughs> why do i always say there's a podcast after some of these i don't know <laughs> i have no idea but i like it i was i was I'm, honestly when you said free reeling it on twitter i'm like this is gonna be the one he's gonna get it and then i'll get it now. i'll uh, i'll get it next week or next I, time 100 i believe in you and i want you to keep trying yeah <laughs> right episodes and i'll get it one day um matthew where, did, where is our music from where's our theme song from our, our music is from a friend of mine uh he goes by dead eye and you can find his you can find him on instagram at dead eye productions all lowercase d-e-a-d the letter i productions and uh he's um still very new to doing music solo but in 2013 he and his buddy ben released a reggae album called black lightning under the the moniker the hope street steppers and it is one of the best reggae albums i've ever played or i've ever heard uh but i'm also kind of biased because they're both friends of mine but also that music is awesome and you should listen uh i just want to say thank you everybody uh for listening to the show and to remember even your silent films don't have to be racist <laughs>